Welcome to Machine Learning, How the World Works. Zero-point energy or energy near the bottom of the well is an unlimited source of energy. And it will, it will um, prove to be a form of energy that could transform everything. Why go fusion reactions that are super expensive, require extremely hot temperatures in, in a range of uh, 300 million degrees, uh, very dangerous in terms of uh, the Heisenberg theory of uncertainty as it relates to containment of the uh, hot plasma. Why go that way? Why not look at something like magnetic motors or uh, a form of energy that NASA uses in the form of magneto-hydrodynamic drive where plasma is generated and converted to electricity? One of the interesting inventions of our time is was uh, the Searle effect motor. It is an anomaly in classic physics because it produces thrust without propellant and without expelling reaction mass. The thrust produced by the Searle effective motor is reported to be a function of angular velocity of the motor and the strength of the permanent magnets used. Again, these, these uh, magnetic motors are really amazing in terms of over unity. Again, and that's that uh, where it breaks apart the classic physics. And how is that even possible that a, a magnetic motor can have over unity? And it has to it has to be related to the energy at the bottom of the well, because there is some energy form. Even if you're you put energy in. Uh, you you know theoretically we would say there's no such thing as a perpetual motor, or a perpetual engine, and that's true. Things do not um, things require energy in order to be sustained. So there is some sort of energy that's being tapped by the magnetic motor. Okay, that takes us. Uh, those were introductions to the idea of zero point energy that there is energy at the bottom of the well. And um, so this interaction between the magnetic field and the electric current and additional energy suggests that there is more energy at the bottom of the well than we realize. Um, now that takes us to the hydrino. One of the things about the hydrino is just... Uh, the the incredible criticism that it's a, a achieved by all the major physicists. There are, many of them are. I feel sorry for the investor. Well, they're a physicist. Why are they worried about the investor making a decision whether to buy into uh, this technology? It's ridiculous. And these are leading minds in physics. And the the reason why it threatens them is called rule aid. The idea that classic physics doesn't answer all the properties of nature known to mankind. Well, Rule 8 says that physics, the acceptable physics, are only the physics that are useful for business.
Well, largely, if you think about it, that's true. The physics of electricity, uh, or power, or the electric motors provide consumer appliances, run the computers. These type of technologies have a business model, and therefore the physics are acceptable. But when you introduce this idea of near unlimited energy, where's the business model there? Um, perhaps in that sense, the limitation would be logic because the energy would be almost free. And so you would have to charge for logic. So as more people begin to learn technology and share ideas, then um, the logic scarcity is reduced and there's more abundance of logic. Well, you could argue with the GPT-3 that logic is expanding too, um, but it's it, that's using statistical models that are reusing ex existing logic. So it's taking the large language models and it's uh, building probability models from the, those either in single transaction conversations or multiple transaction conversations. <clears throat> and they're capable then of figuring out correlations in the data. Now, where it could be useful is in the fact that it can produce programmable language uh, like Python and, and generate uh, logic from there. And then when we see that, we say, oh, the AI is generating logic. Now, going back to this, um, to hydrinos, using a proprietary water-based solid fuel confined by two electrodes of a SF-CIHT cell and applying a current of 12,000 amps through the fuel, water ignites in it to an extraordinary flash of power. That is called plasma. So they're creating these uh, real quick pulse, uh, 200 pulses per second of plasma, and then they're they're converting the plasma into electricity through the uh, magnetohydrodynamic drive, which is copper plates that are are converting the plasma energy ions into electricity, and they're producing. In one case, I saw a a one meter or one it was it's one meter or one foot. Um, it was a small device. I don't remember if it was one foot or one meter, but they had it on YouTube and it was producing 10 megawatts of power. So now you look at that power density and that's 10 billion watts per liter of energy that it's capable of producing. All right. Well, the critics get really, um, they, they think it's an illusion because they're, they're saying, oh, well, you know, you got plasma, you know, being generated, 12,000 uh, uh, amps of power was shot into that, that fuel uh, and, you know, energized and created plasma, but it's a zero-sum game, just like fusion, they're saying, is a zero-sum game. Well, scientists now claim that they have a net positive fusion reactor and, and the government's really excited about it and, and you're going to hear more uh, more advertisements that the future's arrived, that fusion is going to be the new clean power, and the world's going to all benefit from fusion energy. Well, I still say that fusion infrastructure is probably 
a million times more expensive than hydrogenol um, uh, production because of the amount of energy that is produced for its cost. Going back to the hydrino, so they powers in the form of plasma, supersonic expanding gaseous ionized physical state of the field comprising essentially positive ions and free electrons that can be converted directly into electricity through a highly efficient magnohydrodynamic converter. Now, if you remember the show Hunt for October, they the Russians had developed this. And it wasn't accidental that they put that in that movie because the Russians do understand the potential for low-energy nuclear reactions, and in particular, hydrinos. I think that they're looking at this hydrino technology and saying, yeah, how could we apply this into a commercial model at the gigawatt level? 100 joules from one millimeter in one thousandth of a second. That's the power density of 100,000 joules per millimeter, milliliter. Okay, so you get done with all this and you go, cool. It generates a lot of power. Doesn't seem to cost a fortune. But who can use it? Well, there was one company um, that said that they took an interest in commercial license agreement. was a Maryland-based Ackeridge Energy. And they licensed this usage. And they will use it to generate electricity in Maryland, Virginia, Maryland and Virginia, and the District of Columbia up to a maximum continuous capacity of 400 megawatts. Okay, is that proof of concept? I would say that's prototype, but why isn't this product being rolled out all across the energy infrastructure? That is a question that you have to ask yourself as it relates to regulation, as it relates to barriers for entry into uh, additional energy supplements. It has to, um, their marketing channels, and also the fact that there are states that need additional energy right now, but are using renewable energy, such as California, um, that politically... They don't want to have a source of clean energy that is super cheap because they have renewables and they're expensive and they cost lots in taxpayers' money and they don't produce that much energy. And everyone's moving to the solar panels. They want to put solar panels on their roof. They want to get tax breaks. Um, They want to be clean. And so... You're going against political forces, and that's the challenge that black light or brilliant light, it's called brilliant light, they converted the two, the sun cell will face is how they can enter in to that market and be competitive.